Precious. Hi. Good. So good to see you. How are you today? I'm great. I really can't complain. Yeah. No, I know you're you're uh, you're killing it. I can't wait to to share with the audience all the things that you're up to and get to know you like I've gotten to get to know you. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, it really means a lot to me, and I appreciate the time and the energy you're going to bring to us today. And I also want to get right to it. So, Precious, why don't you introduce yourself to the audience? Well, hi, everybody. My name is Precious Williams, and I am the founder and the CEO of Perfect Pitches by Precious. And I am also the author of the number one Amazon bestseller, Bad Bitches and Power Pitches for Women Entrepreneurs and Speakers Only. I'm a fun, curvy girl about town. I am a serial entrepreneur and international professional speaker. And I love, love, love what I get to do on a daily basis, which is really helping women entrepreneurs, C-suite executives and sales teams really realize their business goals through the power of speaking and pitching. So that's what, that's, that's enough about me in a nutshell. Yeah. Well, well, trust me that this whole thing's about you. So we'll, you, you get to share a lot of yourself, but thank you for Yay! the intro. Yeah, exactly. You get an hour to talk about yourself. How cool is that? That's awesome. Yeah, that's perfect. So um, as I always do in the show, I like to share with the audience how Precious and I know each other. So we met each other through a networking group that we're uh, on the leadership team as a part of. So we've gotten to know each other inside of that structure. We've also uh, shared some time outside of that. It's been really nice getting to know you, follow you on all your social media channels, see all the great things you're up to. And uh, so that's how we know each other. Another tradition we have on the show is we get to talk about our first impressions of each other. And you and I haven't done this for each other yet. So we might learn something about ourselves or each other, and maybe it'll be a little uncomfortable, but either way, it'll, it'll be all good. And because, <laughs> it's my, and, be, and because it's my show, I'm going to ask you to go first. My first impressions of you? Yes. So my first impressions of you is when you stood up and you spoke at our, at our meeting, at our networking group meeting. And I remember just being like, I, I liked you immediately. I, you know, a lot of people usually get intimidated when there are success coaches in the room, right? When there are people who mm -hmm. deal with just success or deal with it at first from a certain viewpoint. And I thought, I want to work with him. I don't know how we're going to do it, but I can see synergies between us. So I liked you immediately. And then when we went to lunch together and, and you went to this Thai restaurant with me uh, uh, in Brooklyn, I said, yeah. he's down, he's down, he's, he's, you're down to earth, but your talent is extraordinary. And so this is now no BS. I don't have to BS. I don't have time for all that in these streets. Yeah, um, no BS. That's what I thought when I first met you. I was like, a success coach who really knows his craft and really put in the time, the effort, and the resources and to get the credentials to truly say you are who you say you are. And you don't find that that often. You find a lot of people who look online, see what other people are doing, and then try and do it themselves. And I'm like, I will not work with you. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Precious. That means a lot to me. That is, I think that's true. I'm like embarrassed now because I'm a good Midwestern boy, as I've talked about on the show. Good Midwestern um, boy. Good Midwestern boy. Like, you know, it, too many compliments are not a thing that I like. But thank you. I, I agree with all that. And um, uh, so I appreciate that. So my first impression of you is when I stood up and did that, I remember you came around the table and like held out your hands and gave me a huge hug. And then I believe you introduced yourself. And as people are going to learn today, when Precious introduces yourself, that's a big first impression and it's super powerful. So I was like, so I was like, man, this woman, she's powerful. 
Uh, she's she's got a lot of love to give. Uh, she's obviously very supportive. And then like you know, as we'll probably talk about today, um, it was very obvious that you are somebody who is extremely comfortable getting up in front of people. I didn't. I think I knew at the time from being connected on LinkedIn or from uh, our mutual friend Jay that you were a speaker, but I didn't. I didn't really know much more than that. I didn't know right. the book or anything. So like. I was like, wow, this is a powerful person as well. And like you said, and now we're going to work together and here we are on the podcast together. So how cool is that? How, how, good, cool is, how, good, is that? how good is life? Well, that's awesome. Uh, let's get into it. I'm excited to uh, introduce you to the audience and have you share all the stuff you're up to. So first question for you, what is something that you nerd out about? Oh, what do I nerd out about? <laughs> I nerd out about women and men really feeling good in their own skin and really owning their stories. So one of the things I used to do when I was younger, and I, I said this to you earlier, is I used to watch Behind the Music, Intimate Portrait, Biography, 20th Century. I used to watch all little shows because I was not into the glitz and glam of celebrity. I was interested in what does, what does it do to you internally? For example, I come from the inner city of St. Louis. I come from the hood, like the bottom, poverty. And I always, I was always looking for people who came from where I came from and they made it to the extraordinary heights. But what happens in the transition of it? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't about how much money they made, the houses they lived in. It was really what happens on the inside. And I am blessed that I get to live in New York City where I get to hear stories all the time from one-on-ones or from meeting people or speaking where people are telling me their deepest fears and the things that keep them going when people or society does not want them to shine their bright light. And here I am telling them, shine until your heart stops. Shine. Because you were given a purpose and, and, and you were given this energy to live out your dreams and it is so possible to do it. And yeah. I am living proof. Yeah. Like you got about people's stories, their true stories, not the sanitized stories, the real stories. So you're not looking to like read their Instagram stories and see what they do on LinkedIn to be like, that's your story. Cause we all know that no. that's, that's like the 10% no. stuff. Yeah. Oh no, that's, exactly. a, that's a snapshot in time. If it's true. Oop, if it's did true. I say that? Oop, did I say exactly. That? I think we both share the sentiment that a lot of things you see out there on social is not necessarily true. No. But, um, yeah. So I know you have a ton of experience in this through your speaking work and, and coaching people around speaking and everything. What do you see as the, like, what's one of the stops for people? Like, where do people stop? And like, why is it that they stop when they're, you know, they start like, you know, as a coach, as you mentioned earlier, I'm a coach. So you see people start down that journey and you see some people come out on the other side and some people, uh, it seems like maybe they start and they get stopped. Yeah, like what is what is what do you see as one of the things that stops people when they start on that well, journey? I, I can definitely. I think that's such a great question. One of the one thing I see that holds people back is fear of what everybody else is going to say, and also the fear of who do they think they are to want something bigger than what they see around them. And I grew up with a family that always looked at me. I was a black sheep for success. Not the black Mm. sheep because I was bad, but because I always wanted bigger. I wanted to be bigger than St. Louis. I wanted to be bigger than what was around me. And so I'm not going to lie to you. In all my struggles and trials, the one thing that I kept hearing from clients and women and, and different men is that who do they think they are to want more when everyone's telling them to just do 
what they're doing. You say you want to start a business. Oh, it's hard to start a business. Oh, you really don't want to do that. You got a good cushy job. Just do that. But you have something crying out in you that says, I mm-hmm. want more. So you see everybody on Instagram and LinkedIn and Twitter, and they ball and they doing all these amazing things. But what they're not telling you is the true story of how it actually happened. Right. And when it takes 10 years to be an overnight success, I'm here to tell you, that is true. I don't care if it's five years. It takes years to be an overnight success because people don't hear about you until you've cracked a certain, uh, you've cracked a certain level. That's right. And as great as that is to crack that level, there's something that happens internally in you. What do they say, Jason? Um, new levels, new demons. Yeah, that's right. New levels, new demons. And so more money, more problems. That's <laughs> like, right. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. really, I think it's that, that fear of what people are going to say about you, but also more importantly, what are you saying about yourself? Who are you to want more when everything around you is saying, be, be cool with what you have and watch other right. people make it from afar? Yeah, that's a really powerful message. And I, I know you actually specifically speak on this for, um, this is one of the speeches that you give that's, that's super cool. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to actually seeing you speak someday soon because I haven't had a chance to yet. So, uh, moving on to the next question, and I'm going to caveat this. <laughs> you can't give the answer of public speaking because that's just too easy. Because that's, that's actually easy. what you do. That's too easy. Too easy. So, what's something else besides public speaking that is inside of your comfort zone that might be outside of somebody else's comfort zone? Confidence, rock star confidence. I, and I know I speak on it, but it's not, it's not the way you think. Being confident in a world when I was 327 pounds trying to start a company, Curvy Girls Lingerie. Oh my gosh, I just got emotional because I remembered. Mm-hmm. And I'm in that moment. Um, being comfortable in my own skin when I look like nobody else. I talk like nobody else. I walk like nobody else. And people want me to be something that I cannot be. Mm -hmm. I'm a former attorney. I've been told that they dress a certain way, talk a certain way, act a certain way. And that was never me. Mm -hmm. And I, as a trailblazer, and you would know this too, as a success coach, you're going to get the bumps, the bruises, the cuts, the beatings, everything that, people who are too afraid to step into their own will not try because they, they see yeah. what's happening to you. So yeah. being comfortable in my own skin and having the rock star confidence to pull it off. Yeah. So what precious, what I hear in all that is what's in your comfort zone is just being gritty AF resilient. What? AF. You gotta act like, you know, I got you. you. Grit. Grit. Yeah. Grit. Just I saw keep that on a TED, a TED talk. The grit. The, there was a grit TED talk, and I was like, "Oh, that's yeah, so yeah, yeah." So, yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense to me um, from the way you show up. Is that you? I mean, you walk in the room, and there's a level of confidence. And I, you know, there's a lot of people that seem confident, but when it, you know, like it's like the minute something goes wrong, you're like, "Oh, there's the real thing." Like you're like you're you're walking in there confident. I my and my guess is that as you advance your career and you've started doing the thing you're meant to be doing, which is what you're doing now. And like, how are you not confident when you're like, this is what I put on this earth to do and I'm getting to do it and I'm getting paid well for it and I'm writing books and I'm delivering messages and doing good for people in the audience, doing good for people that are reading the book. Like 
man, it must be, it must be such an authentic confidence. You're like, this is what I'm actually here to do, which is the thing that I think most of us, myself included up until maybe a couple of years ago, just like, that's just missing from our lives, whether it be like your jobs or um, relationships, uh, whether, you know, you're getting married or friendships and all the different areas of our life. So super cool. I think that is definitely something that is right inside your sweet spot comfort zone. So now, go ahead. I was also going to say that I, I, I really think of myself as a female MacGyver. Uh, I like that. I myself is that like, if you give me two toothpicks, whatever door you tell me I can't walk through, whatever, whatever wall you say I can't cross over, whatever thing you stand, put in my way, I will knock it down. I will go under it. I will find a crack in the door. I will see a window that needs to be broken and I will do go through it. I will go through it. And I need someone, it's like McDonald's that needs a Burger King. I need some sort of an adversary. So really shine. And that sounds so crazy. But in order for me to really shine, I need somebody to tell me no. So I can be like, oh, okay. And I won't say, oh, I'm going to do it. I'm like, actions speak louder than words. (laughs) Silent killer. Yes. Stealth mode. Stealth mode. So now the reverse of this question. So what's something that is outside of Precious's comfort zone that might be inside of somebody else's comfort zone? It's outside of my comfort zone. Some people are really great with opposite sex relationships. That is not me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, that that might be a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother podcast. (laughs) I think when it comes to business, some people are very strategic. And I am totally the opposite of that. I just go hard and fast. If I'm given a vision, I run with it versus people who literally will business plan their way to everything. And I'm just kind of like, I want it all. Let me just go. And I have a friend named Precious Frazier. She's a, she's a business coach and she is, everything has to be planned out. Like if, if something's coming out in three months, then what do, we, what do they do every day of that three months? Versus Precious is like, okay, so I'm going to announce that it's coming out in three months. And, and I'm going to build up, build up, build up, build up. Bam! Yeah. Bam! Yeah. And it's out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so on the subject of public speaking, you get five minutes in front of the, the world. And you get to give a speech on anything you want, but only for five minutes. What would you give the speech on and why? I would give the speech on from despair to destiny because I want to showcase how dark the road is for anything that you want and how it doesn't necessarily start off hopeful. It doesn't necessarily start off perfect and you will go through some, some trying times. But if it's worth it, you will keep with it. You will use grit. You will be the MacGyver. You will use two toothpicks. You will do whatever you need to do because you know that there's something greater in you. And all it needs is what Jay-Z used to say this. The only thing that matters is just a matter of years. That's the only thing that matters. And keep pushing and keep challenging yourself and keep forcing the hand. Keep, Keep pushing and you will go from despair 
to your true destiny. And if you look at anybody's story who's ever made it, I'm here to tell you there's gonna there's some rock bottom moments, there's some garage experiences, there's some homeless experiences, there's some times when they had no support, there's some times when they got evicted from apartments, there's some times when they had no food to eat and they were at food banks. There there are some times when they had to face everyone who told them that they weren't gonna make it. And yet they kept pursuing what was within them and what their true purpose and their destiny was. And so when you know what your destiny is, the despair of it all has no bearing on how bright your future will be. Mm. And I am living proof coming from homelessness, poverty, abuse, abandonment, torture. And when people see me today, they don't see any of that. What they see is a good person who literally walks in her gift. Yeah. Beautiful. Uh, how, what advice would you give to somebody who wants something different, but literally doesn't see what that thing is? I can totally identify with that. Mm-hmm. We all have something in us, right? We all have mm-hmm. something in us. And sometimes it gets beat down by life and time and family and everything. Um, one of the things that has really, one of the things that really grounded me is prayer. Mm-hmm. And also when I was homeless on the streets in New York three years ago, I had to get the right people around me and ask them the hard questions. What do you see in me? What do you love about me? What comes naturally to me? What are your hopes and dreams for me? What what do you see about me that I can't see? And you'd be amazed that people will tell you for real who you really are. Yeah, they will. So uh, those are, I would, I would definitely pray about it. I would definitely, you know, if you're a person of faith, I would definitely get in, you know, spirituals and scriptures and things like that, but also ask those true loved ones, the ones who will support you with your dirty draws. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that. Dirty draws and, and, and get them to tell you the true, the true things you want to know about yourself. Cause sometimes people can see things in you that you cannot even see in yourself because you're so mired by fear, worry, self-doubt, uh, abandonment, abuse, all that sort of thing that's crowding your mind. And they can see beyond all of that. They see yeah. in the true essence of you. Yeah. What was the, um, does anything come to mind for you that was either the, the thing that was said to you that made the difference or something that you just literally could not see for yourself that you got feedback very well that they totally saw in you? It's funny, as you ask that question, you can see tears in my eyes. Tears in the eyes, yes. I remember um, when I was 15, and uh, at 12 years old, my mother almost beat me to death, and I went to go live with my father, who was a drug addict, and I was extremely violent, and I became extremely angry, and I hated school, and I hated all of those sort of things, right? When I was 15, my grandparents stepped in to uh, raise me. He and they old, not thinking much how good, how good it was going to be. And my grandmother sat me down and she started, for lack of a better word, for lack of a better term, she started prophesying over me. Mm-hmm. And she told me I had the gift of speech. She said, I have the gift of connection. She said, people feel good around you. You're a great speaker. Oprah's going to know your name. You're going to be on a first name basis with the presidents. I mean, just going in. And I'm looking at her like, as (laughs) Joe usually says, in the natural. In the natural, what is she talking about? Me, I'm raggedy. I'm a bum. Nobody wants me. My family doesn't care, you know. And here she is telling me what she saw in me as a little girl 
And she was saying to me, she's talking to that little girl that no one wanted. And she was building me up brick by brick. She had me in the mirror doing affirmations. She used to sit me down. We used to watch figure skating and have our girl talk time. She, she cooked for me. She cleaned for me. She made my bed every day. She drove me to school. She was giving me what queens are treated like, how I should be treated in the world. Not how my mother and my father did. She wanted to show me what true love was like. And so because she spoke life into me, I want to speak life into others the way she did me. Because yeah. there's no way I'd be standing here right now. And I, I, I'm so glad I'm named after my grandmother. I'm so glad that I carry her name because people have never met her. I want them to meet her through me. Yeah. You know, and so she That's was beautiful. the most beautiful woman in the world, face-wise, uh, mentally loving, kind. She may have messed up with her own children, but with me, she was a flawless mom. Flawless. I can't even think of one bad thing to say about her. I couldn't even yeah. imagine saying anything bad about her. Yeah. But that's she's the one who spoke life when others spoke death over me. That's beautiful, precious. Well, thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that with us. I, I appreciate that greatly. No worries. So... You know, we've, we've, we've started this, um, started, you know, started to hear about your journey. So this is the part of the show where I like to give the guests the opportunity to really share anything else they want about their journey from where they came from. So what we've learned about you uh, so far is you're from St. Louis. You grew up in poverty. You grew up in an abusive home. You uh, ended up being raised at, uh, in your high school years by your grandmother. And then we know what you're doing, how you're killing the game today. What about the journey? Of, and also that you, you're a lawyer. Um, what, what about the journey... What else in the journey would you like to share with the audience today? I'd like to share that when you look at me or you look at my background or my successes, it really doesn't tell you the, the, the true story of my life. It doesn't tell you that, you know, yes, I've been on Shark Tank and CNN and Wall Street Journal and Forbes. Hold on. Hold on a minute. I want you, you just said you were on Shark Tank. I think that's an interesting thing. Can you, would you be able to wonder, you're, I like how you're, I like how you're, da, 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 da. I'm like, no, no, I heard Shark Tank. I heard Yeah, I, I was on Shark Tank season eight, 2016. I nice. was, I was, I was pitching my company, Curvy Girls Lingerie, the ultimate shopping experience for full figure divas and plus size fashionistas. <laughs> I was 328 pounds when I started my company and I had no money. You know, Jason, you already know. Mm-hmm. And so I had to pitch my way to success and get on television and all these amazing things happened. And I was amazing. told too fat, too black, too this, too that. And I made it anyway because I have the blood of my grandmother going through me. And, and because I'm a trailblazer, this is what we do. But what, uh, real sh- quick, Precious. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, so Shark Tank, I believe the odds of actually getting on the Shark Tank in front of the sharks is like one in like eight or 9,000 or something like from the amount of applications they get. I think it's like one in like 15,000. 15, like it's, it's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. And I didn't even audition. I had been preparing people for Shark Tank for years. And people kept asking me, you say you're the killer pitch master, but you ain't never been on Shark Tank. And I wanted them to come to me. And that's exactly what happened. And so Incredible. when I flew out, I flew out on September 11th, 2016. I was so afraid to fly out on that day to Culver City, to, to LAX, and then being picked up, taken to Culver City, California, um, staying in a hotel. They, when I tell you they treated me right, but it's television, so you know what time it is. There's always drama, energy, and intensity with it. 
when I actually got to the real studio, because there are two Shark Tanks. There's a fake studio and there's a real one. Most people don't know mm. that. But mm, I, I didn't did. know that either. Uh-huh. So when I stood, you know, it, it, right before I was about to go on, right? So my so my former business coach had come with me and she wanted me to to know I'm supported and loved. Yeah. And I thought, sure. wow, what business coach does that? Who does yeah, that? Amazing. But she flew out with me. And um, I was filming a movie at the same time too called Leap with Sir Richard Branson, his business coach, Jack Canfield, Chicken Soup for the Soul. And so all this was happening all at the same time, right? I'm in my hotel room. So anyway, the day that we shoot is September 15th. We've gone through the back lot. I have my models. They're all looking beautiful, fly divas. And I remember standing outside the, the, the first door that you walk down before you get into the big door of Shark Tank. Yeah. And I prayed. I listened to my three... You know, my four theme songs, Bad by Michael Jackson, Diva by Beyonce, Moment for Life by Nicki Minaj, and Lose Yourself by Eminem. And I was ready. I don't know how to explain it. I was ready. When that door opened, I expected to hear music. No music. So oh, you, you mean like the dun, 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 dun. So, no, so, so that's a post-editing. Oh, that that's post-editing, right? Oh, man, because that's like it's such a powerful that, moment. That, that would have been hype. Because I would have been down the block. I might have shimmy down the block. <laughs> I'd have been like, this one is raggedy. <laughs> we love it. <laughs> it's tailor-made for television. I had on a low-cut canary yellow peplum dress. I had a big old afro. I had extreme makeup. You know, I, oh, I was going, I, listen, y'all want drama? I'm going to bring it. And so when that door opened and I saw the sharks, you know that first nervous energy you get? I can't I even imagine. X, and I looked at the sharks, and I thought of every competition I'd ever been in. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. So, action. I'm going in. You know, Martin, <laughs> you know girl. You know, Damon, John is looking like, are you serious? I'm talking about <laughs> their eyes were so big. And then, and then when I got finished, I said, okay, ladies, now let's get in formation. The door opened and my plus size, my full figure divas came out and their stuff. And I'm telling you, they were so stunned. I was like, I know how to bring it. I, I came to Amazing. bring it. So then Robert Hershevik, as I'm answering the questions, he was like, you're a master salesman, a master salesman. How did you learn? And then I started talking about being a former attorney and stuff like that or whatever. There was not one question I, w- I was not prepared for. Not yeah. one. I will tell you, there were moments where I wanted to cry because I could not believe that my dream came true exactly how I wanted it to come true. And I remember, like, you know, when they were all trying to decide, you know, different deals, different offers, I didn't want a deal. I did not want one. I just wanted the exposure. You shouldn't really say that, but you know how it is in these streets. It's almost five years later. It's almost yeah. no, almost four years later. So, so Mark, Mark and Robert, if you're listening to this podcast, which I hope you are, don't ignore what Preston just said. Yeah, I mean, people people do that, and so yeah. when when it finally came down to you know no 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 we're not we're not going to do a deal. There were so many tears behind my eyes, not because of no deal, because I told you that's not what I wanted. Yeah, I could not believe that a little ghetto girl, a little hood girl from St. Louis that nobody believed in but my grandmother and my grandfather had scaled California twice. Right. Twice. And so when I walked out, I just started boohooing and my models were just like, no, precious, it's okay. I said, no, no, I didn't look like that dumb black woman. 
I didn't look dumb on television. I looked like a champion. And I stood in my power as a champion. And they can't take it from me. They can't. All the people who said I couldn't do it, they cannot take this moment from me. And I went head to head with the sharks. And I proved once and for all, I am the best in the world at what I do. So that's how it was. It was so that was, that was funny because you were like, oh, I was a shark tank. And then I'm like, and I paused you. Now here we are 10 minutes later. So thank you. Cheers, everything. Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, thank you for sharing that. And I apologize for interrupting you, but no, I- No, it's okay. I had a, you know how you, you're a great interviewer because you would know that, like, hey, hold up, hold up. Yeah, and yeah, I, like, yeah, da, 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 da. I, I, I know what it looks like when people are like moving quickly past their greatness because I do the same thing for myself sometimes, so. Yeah, is that Midwestern um, thing? That Midwestern, right, that's what we do. We're humble, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't talk about the stuff we do. So uh, apologies for the interruption, but not really, because that was fascinating. Thank you for that story. <laughs> That was amazing. I'm sure the audience will get a ton out of that too. That's that's a. Uh, I'm a big Shark Tank fan, so I can't. First of all, I'm disappointed that that music doesn't play because it's such a dramatic like. It's not there. That's annoying. I was about straight dance my way down because I was like, yeah, and I, yeah. I knew that they were gonna act up. So I said, if y'all gonna act up, let me act up a little too. <laughs> yeah, and I, I'm just I you know I don't. I don't have a reason to go on a Shark Tank right now, but I just I can't even imagine what it would be like to be standing there knowing that like. You got, you know, like Mark and Robert and Lori and uh, and Kevin and all of them sitting there and then knowing that like literally like millions of people are going to watch this. Literally millions of people. Literally. Internationally literally of people. too. People Internationally. People outside of the world watch it. Like yeah, they watch Dragon's Den. Yeah. Well, congratulations on all that. That's, that's super exciting. And I can imagine, man, I can imagine once you, like you said, once you scaled that, man, there's nothing you, like you pitched at the probably the, the hardest place in the world to pitch at so then you're like everything else must feel like if i can do that i can literally do anything else that i want around the pitching and speaking. it was it was you would think that but then i got into it with my business partner and it, it turned a beautiful experience into a negative experience you know mm. because yeah we just didn't see eye to eye you know the man who inspired my first company curvy girls lingerie died um I became like a severe alcoholic. It was just a, it was just a lot that happened. Mm -hmm. And um, as much as I am proud of Shark Tank, the the experience now is bittersweet because I remember what happened afterwards. I had nothing to do with Shark Tank, but because I was able to achieve a dream that someone else wanted, it became ugly. Mm. Um, because of my alcoholism. Because of not being in my right frame of mind, I lost every dollar in my bank account. I lost my home, my jewelry, my everything that all the material things that you think you you would want. I've lost it all. You know, I, you know, me being homeless in New York City, we can laugh and joke about it, but it wasn't funny. It wasn't funny imagine. because yes, I have friends and yes, they love me, but I felt deep, deep, deep shame. And I didn't know how to come to my friends and say, hey, I'm struggling really bad because here's the image of me. I couldn't be me. And, and um, you know, being homeless, and I see homeless people all the time, right? And my heart literally goes out because as great as Shark Tank was, rising like the phoenix in these last three years, especially the last year, it's actually been a year, because um, mm -hmm. I walked out of the program September 18th, 2018. Watching it's like a 12 separate 12 step recovery program you're referring no, no, no. to it was a life transformation program so gotcha. i lived in i lived in so it helps 
homeless women who have great potential uh, get back on their feet. You know, it is funded by Whoopi Goldberg and a lot of those big time companies and everything. Yeah, amazing. Like that. So it's, it's called the Bowery Mission Women's Center. Okay. So that's where I lived. I lived in a beautiful townhouse in Harlem and in Upper East Side. So you can imagine to go from where I was to being in a program. Um, I, I quit drinking cold turkey. I come up on three years of sobriety on my congratulations 30, on my forty first birthday. Thank congratulations, you. thank you. And so, wait, did you just say it's your birthday today? No, no, no. January twenty second will be my forty first birthday. I'll be clean this over three years. Congratulations, three years. So, to me, my greatest achievement now is proving that you can rise like the phoenix no matter what happens, no matter who talks bad about you, no matter what media say about you, no matter what, you can rise like the phoenix. And when you talk about stealth mode or we're talking about doing things in silence, I did a lot of things in silence. Mm -hmm. So to some people, they're like, oh, she already had the connections. Let me tell you something about connections. If you have crashed and burned, those connections mean nothing because no one wants to rock with a loser. So I literally had to build up from nothing so yeah, I may live in a beautiful home in Brooklyn and I may be a part of great groups. And yes, I I feel so good in my skin again. That's greater than any amount of investment that I could ever get off a of shark tank. Mm-hmm. We have way too many people out there who are struggling and they don't know how to tell people who love them that they need help. And I almost lost my life. Because I was, I, I felt like I had to put, portray an image when it's mm-hmm. not true. I don't yeah. have to portray an image. If I'm struggling, if I'm hurting, I reach out to my support network that loves me and they can tell when things are happening. So a lot of great things I post on social media. There are a lot of greater things you haven't even seen yet. Because next year is 2020, shock and awe. Shock and awe. <laughs> shock and awe. Can't wait. Shock well, you know, I'll everybody. be... I'm excited to see you. You know, I'll be there to support you. That's really cool. Well, thanks for, yeah, thanks for sharing all that. That's, um, I'm just, you're keeping me reflecting on myself. And I, my story, uh, I've never really had the, I've never had the roller coaster. For me, it's always been kind of a steady state. And I think we talked a little bit about this. Yeah. Steady state, it's been good, but never great. Right. Never had my Shark Tank moment, but I've never also had my homeless moment either. So, um, don't, I can't identify personally with you, but I, 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 I'm just thinking like what that must be like to go through that sort of roller coaster and how it must make, you know, where you're, what you're, all the things you're up to today must just be so sweet from a place of like, yeah, you must, uh, but there's no wonder you have rockstar confidence. There's like, how would you not? Because you had to go through that stuff. Like it said, the despair to get to your destiny. I think you're somebody yep. who's living despair your destiny, destiny now. So thank you for sharing all that. Well, so this is the part of the show where uh, I get to get a little bit uncomfortable and okay. precious gets to ask me anything and uh, I'll answer it for you. So really the sky's the limit. Do I only get to ask one question or do I answer I mean, a couple? We'll, we'll see how it goes, but I think, uh, you know, a couple questions would be totally fine. If you've got okay. Anything. Okay. Yeah. What, what would you like to know? Or what would you like me to answer for you? So what has been your greatest achievement since you said you were slow not slow you were steady 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 is there anything that stands out to you as a great achievement whether it's whether it's financial whether it's business whether it's just personal which been your greatest achievement um so this is going to be a super sappy answer but my greatest achievement is my wife uh like not that she's my achievement 
but marrying her and now we have a almost four-year-old so um it's not perfect you know it's a relationship but my wife is amazing and the greatest achievement i ever said and it's a good really good question i'm thinking back maybe like seven or eight years ago where i remember saying to her like you're gonna do you're gonna be you're gonna so surpass me in, in like your business and your career and uh I don't know if that's actually true or not now. I don't know. Like, yes, we're, we're both, you know, in very different places in our career. Like I'm starting something new and she's really progressing well in her career. But yeah, just like our, our marriage, um, the love we have for each other, the life we've built is actually my greatest achievement. And then it's kind of like the crowning achievement on top of that is our daughter, who is just phenomenal. Um, she's three, so she's not always phenomenal. She's got her moments. She's got her dad's personality, a lot of it. So she's a little fiery, a little... A um, little of that, but I, yeah, it's in my, like, if I had to like pick out one thing that I'm most proud of, it would be uh, marrying my wife and the fact that she actually chose me Yeah. and the life that we've built together. It's, it's pretty phenomenal. So, yeah. That is not an answer I was expecting. And that's why it was perfect. <laughs> it was so perfect. It was so, you know how most people would go with business or something like that. Yeah. That yeah. is a great, that is a great uh, answer because I don't have that. And that would be a great achievement to have. Well, I know you and I know you're a driven person. So when are you going to have, when are you meeting, having your relationship? <laughs> That's my challenge to you. I love that challenge. I love that challenge. I'm going to holler back at you in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. I'm, so I, I know. So what I'll say to precious, I'll be like, precious, there's no way, there's no way you can ever like, uh, meet the love of your life. You'll be like, three months around, you'll be like, this is my husband. <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, I'm like, okay, you know, my adversary has stepped up. Hey, no, exactly. I'll be, I'll be like, your adversary for I you. I don't get nobody. I walk up and be like, bam. <laughs> You're like, I you'd be like, I knew this was coming. <laughs> I'm your adversary for your love life. I'm the person who's like, yeah, you can, you can never do that. There's no way you could accomplish that. You're like, oh, I think that's oh, not so correct. Okay. Oh, word. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I think you had another question, so I'd be happy to, to answer it or yeah. So, what is New York? What has New York been like for you, being from the Midwest? Even if you've been here a while, what was your first impression of New York when you first got here? Because I know yeah, what my the, I, <laughs> yeah. So I'll start with the actual first impression. I'll I'll tell you my origin, my New York origin story, really okay. quickly. So uh, my, one of my best friends, her name is Ann McDaniels. Hi, Ann, if you're listening, which hopefully you are. She had moved out here, in, and she's my friend from college. She moved out to New York in mm, 2003 or maybe early 2004. Mm -hmm. And I decided to come visit her. She lived at Sullivan and Houston. So great neighborhood, right? Like Soho, oh, yeah. right there. Awesome neighborhood. And she lived in like a typical like tiny ass apartment like tiny <laughs> she had a roommate the living room was like the size of a bathroom but it was like fun it's like what you'd imagine a new york city apartment would be um, for somebody in their 20s and i remember I, and i had never been to new york and it was i was 24 years old at the time or maybe i was 25 i'd never been to new york and i traveled a bunch for work and new york was not the thing so i remember flying into LaGuardia from minneapolis and seeing the skyline for the first time which Gorgeous. is you know, when you fly in from LaGuardia and it's a, a nice night and when I flew in at night, you can, um, depending on this, if you're on the starboard side of the plane, 
you can see the whole skyline. It's stunning. And I remember, I, I believe this was in the fall or winter. So it was dark. We landed and I, I'm like, I'm like that, like yokel off the airport. I'm like, I don't know where I'm going. Like, I guess I get a cab. I've seen this in the movies. Yes. I guess I get a cab. So I'm in the cab and, you know, from LaGuardia, you take the BQE and then you go over the, you go through the tunnel and um, then I'm down the FDR. And I'm just, I'm just like, you know, I'm just like, I'm a totally yokel. I'm just like wide eyed looking around. Mm-hmm. And I remember the cab pulls up at Sullivan and Houston and I step my first time feet on the ground in New York city, like in, like in Manhattan. And I remember standing in that corner. I'm like, this is it. I'm moving here. Like, this is it. Like within one second, I'm like, this is my, this is the energy. I'm a complete extrovert. Like if you take the Myers-Briggs, I'm like a 98% extrovert. <laughs> yes. And I, and, and, and if you've taken the five love languages, like the, the love language test, I'm a, total quality time person. So for me, people are a drug. So things yes. like doing a podcast or being in networking groups is like, I love all of it. Yes. So I remember like, like, Oh my, like, Oh, and I'm an energy person too. It's actually one of my, one of my, you were talking about essences. One of my essences is energy. So yes. I, so like, I'm like, I'm like, Oh, I'm like, this is, this is it. Like, this is it. I'm making this work. So that was my first experience. Going back to like growing up in the Midwest I don't know how it was for you, but when I was in high school, I always, it's like, you just don't know what you don't know. Yes. And I grew up in like, you know, I grew up in like the suburbs of St. Paul. I grew up in a really nice family. Um, we had a nice life. Like my, I have no complaints about my childhood. Like I did not grow up in poverty, but I, I didn't grow up wealthy either. We we're just a nice Midwestern family, very middle-class, um, had a good high school. I went to school at the university of Minnesota. So I, you know, I stayed in Minnesota for my, for my, uh, undergrad. And it was like, I didn't know what I didn't know. Right. I'm just like, oh, I'm from here. I went to high school here. And then I went to college here. And I think it was maybe around I was like 24 years old where I started to get the feeling of like the big fish in the small pond kind of feel yes. of restlessness that I know a lot of people from the Midwest seem to get. And it's I, the Twin Cities is a great place. My parents still live there. It's a beautiful area to live. I think I have a lot of friends there. It's a great place. But I kind of started to get the sense like this is not actually where I'm meant to be. And so all that to be said, the actual answer to your question is the minute I set foot in New York and then I moved here a year later in 2005, from the minute I'd been here, I felt at home. Like, yes. I mean, I'm like, a, I'm a super high energy person. I move fast. I talk fast. I, you know, like I get annoyed on the subway. Uh, I'm, a, <laughs> I'm a big arts and entertainment person. I'm a musician. So like the idea I can go to a music club and go to the comedy cellar, I can go to an art factory. I like going out and partying. So like the fact that I'm in the best city in the world to party um, and I'm also a business person. So the fact that I'm surrounded by, you know, uh, 23 million people in the tri-state area, many of who are business people. So it's always been a fit for me. So I, I've, I've never had a near moment. Where I'm like, oh, I'm getting out of here. You know how like a lot of people move here and they're like, oh, I do New York for a few years. And I realize it's not for me. Right. I, when I, when I moved here, I was like, this is it. And then when I met my wife, I met my wife in June of 2007, so two and a half years after I moved here. She's from Ohio, or she was actually born in out born in LA, um, lived in Vancouver, and then like high junior high and high school, and then college. So she went to uh, the Ohio State. The Ohio State. Gotta have the V in there. Right. Uh, yeah, number one team in college football right now, or maybe number two. Yeah. Um, so when we met, one of the first conversations we had because we're both like, oh, this is. It's kind of like the New York thing. It's like, oh, this is great. It's like, oh, like, where do you want to live? And, you know, I was like scared. She'd be like, oh, I want to move back to Ohio. She's like, 
New York, like I like it here. I don't plan on moving. And I'm like, me too. And like, that was kind of like, that was like, oh, we already had all the other good stuff. Like, no, that was, that was it. I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh man. Cause it's actually not that common to find somebody else from the Midwest who moves to New York is like, this is my home. So now we've lived here for uh, almost 15 years. Like she moved here December 31st, 2004. I moved here March, March 30th, 2005. We've owned our apartment in New York for almost in Brooklyn for almost 10 years. We bought a place in the Catskills six years ago. Our daughter goes to school in Brooklyn Heights where we live. Like this is our home, plain and simple. Like we're not going anywhere. So yeah, the answer to your question is it's been amazing. And like, I still wake up on some days, including today, I took my daughter to school where I'm like, I, and I wish this for everybody. And if you don't, for the people listening, if you don't have this, look for how you can create this in your life. There are so many days where I wake up, I'm like, I feel like I'm on vacation and I actually live here. It is the most amazing feeling and it gives me such gratitude. It does. So we, live near the water in, we live in, near the water in Brooklyn Heights. So I walk out of my apartment and I, get, I look at downtown Manhattan. I see the ferries and the helicopters. and I see the Staten Island Ferry. And we, I just started building, we've got these soccer fields and my daughter does soccer lessons on. So yeah, like uh, it's, it's always just been, it's always been my home since the minute I moved here. I've never had a moment of like, oh, I can't cut it. Oh, I can't make it. So for me, that was, you know, like your moment of despair to destiny. I never had the despair, but for me, it was like, it is true. Like you can make it here. You can make it anywhere. Like I know, I, I know I can make it work. So when I decided to do what I'm doing now, or even something like starting a podcast, like I know, I'm, I know it's going to work. Like I'm, I know it. I'm gritty. I'm, I'm gritty AF as well. So it's going to work. I'm going to make this work. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to make that work. So, Grit AF. Um, Gritty AF. So yeah, um, New York is definitely home for us. We plan on raising our daughter here. And uh, yeah, I, lo- I, I still love New York City. I actually can't believe that I get to live here most, most days. The only time I don't like living here is when those uh, taxes come due. <laughs> what? <laughs> I already know the game. It's a rough life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when you, you're right. When you, when you go to your company, they're like, and you're like, oh, and you also paid three and a half percent of your salary to the, to the city on top of the state, on top of the federal. I'm like, that's painful. But yeah, it stings. It stings a bit. That's, that's, <laughs> that's the price of admission. It right. stings a bit. So, um, so I've got some more, I've got a few more questions for you if you have a little bit more time to spend with I us. Do. All right. This is going to be a little bit of a repeat, but I, I think I think I think you could probably spend an hour on just this answer. But um, so, precious, what's something that you're passionate about? Not that you're a passionate person, but if you were passionate about anything, what would it be? You already know I'm passionate about speaking life into others. I'm all, I'm I'm passionate about learning truly the ins and outs of pitching and teaching people how to get to their dreams faster if they knew how to communicate better if they knew how to talk to people in a different way if they knew innovative ways of of meeting meeting people's minds and blowing their minds in such a in such a in such a way i'm i'm passionate about pattern interrupts i know you know about that like people are so used to doing a certain thing and you interrupting the pattern and now all eyes are on you because you or or bucking the status quo. I'm all about that. And I'm very passionate about people realizing their true worth and that it does take grit. And it also takes knowing what is your purpose and moving forward. Like bam bam. Bam bam. Yeah. Question for you on the uh, on the speaking specifically, since you're, this is obviously you're an expert on, uh, for the people in the audience that are listening that have aspirations to 
they don't need to be speakers for um, for money like what you do and like be keynote speakers hired by companies, but they just want to be better speakers. They want to be better internally at their companies. They like coaches like me that want to start doing workshops. What's one, what's the first thing you start with the people? Like what's the thing that you could deliver in a couple minutes that people go like, oh, I, you know, like, oh, Precious told me to do this and I did it and it made a difference in my speaking or my pitching. I think that there are three things that I can fit in two minutes if necessary. Number yeah. one, I think, so when you really want to speak and you really want to talk to others and meet, that meet, have a meeting of the minds and blow their minds and things like that, you really have a message you want to monetize. Number one, know the purpose of why you're speaking. You have to know the purpose. It can't be to make people cry. It can't be you just want to speak. It has to be, is it to entertain? Is it to educate? Is it to transform? Is it to inspire? Is it to motivate? What, what is the purpose? What, do you, what are the key takeaways that you want people to get out of your, your presentation, your pitch? Number two, you want to master your story. So whatever your story is that you put in a presentation, if it's multiple stories, what is the one story that truly encapsulates who you are, your essence, your reason for being that really relates to where they are right now. And number three, know your audience, know and study your audience, but also know what their pain points are. Not what they tell you they are, but what you know them to be, which means Mm -hmm. you question. Always have a questioning mind. What are people really curious about, but they're afraid to talk about? Yeah. You know, they're always afraid to talk about finances. They're afraid yep. to talk about their fear, their worry, their self-doubt. They're afraid of people laughing at them. They're afraid of not having the confidence to go out there. And I would start there. What are people's main pain points and what can you truly speak to? And that you have the wherewithal, the testicular fortitude, and you have the skill set <laughs> to be able to talk about. So again, it's very important that I only had two minutes, but for real. What's the purpose of you speaking? What do you really want to get across? Are you talking about what they need to know or what they want to know? Yeah. Number two, as we get to number three, you really have to know and study your audience and you really, really, really want to know what their pain points are so that it matters what you're talking about and they'll want to rock with you because you're not speaking to them. You're speaking through them. Yeah. So I want to um, insert a little commercial and tell you that you just got a sneak preview of Precious's amazing book, which is available on Amazon right now, Bad Bitches and Power Pitches for Women Entrepreneurs and Speakers Only. I will actually link, the, I will have this linked in the show notes. Uh, I actually bought a copy from Precious a couple weeks ago. It's awesome. It is filled with the sort of information you just delivered in a, uh, it's a quick, it's like a quick hitting book too. So it's not, you know, there's not like not the- war piece. Now, and there's, there's not like, you know, like 26 pages on the speech that you gave and then the lesson you learned for one page. It's like, this is actionable information you can take right away. So I wasn't going to do that. Um, it's not that kind of podcast necessarily, but then I'm like, oh yeah, like, but this is what Precious delivers in her book. So, and also what the kind of work you do in your coaching with yes. your private clients as well. And then also when you're doing trainings, this is the sort of information yes. you have. So, um, so thank you for sharing that. And I, I uh, know you're passionate about public speaking among many other things. So we may have already covered this. So if we have, we can move on. But I do want to ask you to see if something else maybe has come up as we've been talking about this and, and maybe share a little bit more about the thing that you're most proud of. Or what is it that you're most proud of in your life? I am most proud of personally overcoming being a severe alcoholic. It was very, very hard for me. I didn't think I could survive without drinking. Mm-hmm. Because I was in so much pain. 
and that cost me so much. So I'm very, I'm very proud that I haven't had a drink. I haven't had the need to, I, I'm around people all the time who drink, you know, just social drinking, you know what I mean? Just social sure. drinking. Oh, of course. Yeah. And I don't feel cold to drink. I just am high off of life yeah. and able to, to see the beauty in life and to have a clear mind. That's so beautiful. I never, ever, ever thought I would be clean and sober. Yeah. And I am, and I have been for almost three years. Yeah. What would you share with anybody who's listening today who might be struggling with, you know, alcohol or uh, chemical abuse? What would you like them to know? That is, you don't have to suffer in silence. Isolation is what keeps you drinking. Self-medication is what keeps you drinking. Talk to your talk to your strong support, just people in your support network, or go get professional help, where you can talk out the things that are really, really on your heart that you can't seem to get past. Mm-hmm. Because once you're able to deal with it, the alcohol will become nothing. You won't yeah. need it anymore. Water will taste good to you. Being around loved ones feels good. Not judging yourself on what you see people on social media do, but knowing that you have a great life too. And if you walk in your purpose, ain't nothing sweeter than that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, one thing I'd like to do, and we can connect on this after the after the show ends, but I'd like to put some resources in the show notes yes. or anything that, that was helpful for you. I'd love to link those for anybody who would like to see what those are. Because uh, right. yeah. So turning, taking a left turn a little bit, a uh, little bit of a confronting question, but I think you're up for it. I hope you're up for it. Well, I guess we'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> what is something that you're afraid might actually be true about you? That's a great confrontational question. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm afraid that I am what my parents said about me that I'm worthless and that I'm useless. No one's ever going to like me. People only like me because I'm winning. Um, I don't, I I will never have real friends. Um, Who do I think I am? I'm still that ugly kid that nobody wanted way back when. I just grew up. Yeah, that's what I'm afraid of. And then um, second part of this question, and first of all, thanks for being vulnerable and sharing that. We all have things, uh, the, the dirty little secret is we all have things that we're afraid might actually be true about us. And what I've learned through my coaching work is, um, second part of this question is, what do you do to compensate for that, for that fear? I think that's why I'm so determined to be successful. Mm-hmm. I'm so determined to fight off those feelings of insecurity and anxiety by proving that what God told me and what I've known since I was a little girl was right. I may not have been wanted. I may not have been appreciated. I may not have been all those sort of things, but that had nothing to do with me. That had to do with their own rocky lives. They couldn't see the value in the child that they wanted the least. And that's the one that's going to, it's like what um, Mariah Carey said, the one you gave away is the one you'll be wishing for. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. Good job uh, throwing a Mariah Carey reference into the. You know, you know, awesome. we got to do MC Square. You know, we got to do yeah. that. Yeah. Oh yeah, and and it's and it's also you know it's also Christmas season, and I believe she's actually we're recording this episode on it's uh, today's the eleventh. I believe she's actually got a show this Friday or 
at the garden because my wife is like, I really want to go. I really want to go. My wife is obsessed with Mariah Carey. All right. Yeah. She got me um, the emotions. Exactly. So something that, as you mentioned, that's something that struck me that I just want to say is that it's highly unlikely that you and I be, would be sitting here and having this conversation today if it wasn't for that, like you said this earlier, if it wasn't for that childhood. You may have been a lawyer and you may be practicing law. You may not have been a lawyer. You may have been a saleswoman or a, you may still be exactly who you are today. But it's, it strikes me as the journey that you've been on is the reason you're actually here today and that a lot of the, who you're, um, your drive and who you are and how you show up is actually, um, yeah, it's like the prove the haters wrong in a way, which is a, which is, which is a very, very powerful um, reason for being in the world. Right. And, and like, it, I think the, the message that I'd like to share with the audience around that that just struck me is like everything, everything around you and out, where you're from it's not actually your truth. It's just, it's just your, your truth is the way you, where you came from. The story that you have about yourself from where you came from is not the truth. It is just the story that you tell yourself. Mm -hmm. And in some ways it's your superpower. So like one of your superpowers is being gritty as a, as AF, as we talked about. <laughs> I love how you got that. Yeah. Gritty AF. Well, I can just check the explicit box on Apple, then we're good. But um, <laughs> maybe I'll, maybe I'll drop an F-bop at the end just so I can check the explicit box. <laughs> Um, well, we said bitch a few times, so yeah, um, we did. Yeah, that's fine. What's in your it's in your book title, but yeah, like the the idea that like you have these things that happen to you, and then you have stories about yourself based on those, and they're not necessarily true. They're not necessarily not true, but where do they where do they take you to? And I, I what I admire about you, and what I'm you know learning a lot about you in our time together is that you've taken all of these, like you said, the moments of despair and the like the what you most people would call the lows. And you've actually learned the lessons from them and instead turn it around and like your ability now to go out and speak to people that want to hear these messages from a place of truth. They're like, this is actually my experience. Um, I know a lot of speakers as well. And, and like a lot of them, it's like a lot of rehearsed script stuff, scripted stuff. It's good. And it's, you know, it's entertaining and it's good. But I think one of the reasons you've been so successful in the last year is you're bringing like your truth to the stage and you're, you're like actually talking about like this, this is what it's like and this is where I am. And if I can do it, anybody can do it. Versus, you know, like you hear people, uh, like I'm going to CES in a few weeks in Las Vegas, which there's lots of keynote speakers. When you hear somebody who grew up rich, um, went to Ivy League schools and then became a CEO of a company, amazing. And it's kind of expected. Yes. It's kind of expected that that person, like there's a, somebody that I know, he had a great quote. Somebody asked him like, how did you be so successful? And he said, well, I, I was born to a parent, you know, like two parent family. We were a nice upper middle class family. I was able to play any sports I wanted. I was able to take, you know, extracurricular if I wanted to do debate team or whatever it was like. And then I was able to go to my parents paid for my college. It's like, if I didn't become a success, I was letting them down versus something like you've actually done. You've like, you haven't done it on your own. You've got a great support structure now, but you've taken those lessons and you've created something from a place that many, many, many people never get out of so kudos to you precious it's really cool Thank you so much <laughs> yeah so uh, wrapping up our time i wanted to see if there's anything that um, through our time speaking together if there's anything that's come up for you that you'd like to share with the audience that maybe coming back on a, on a conversation earlier if there's anything that's popped up in your head as we've been talking that you'd like to share with the audience nothing is impossible nothing is out of reach nothing is impossible and nothing is out of reach. You have the tools within you 
to do what it is you were put on this earth to do. And I know that it can get scary. And I know <laughs> being gritty AF. And I know that sometimes it may feel like you're, you're constantly pushing and something is pulling you down. That's life. And the beauty of life is you have the power to change it. Yeah. And so if tomorrow, yesterday was rough, today could be so much better. And the most beautiful thing is, it's truly your time. And if you put action behind your words, like real action, not talking about it, but being about it, you'll be amazed at how the, the world conspires to help you. You'll be surprised yeah. when you focus on your focus and you move towards your focus, how other things will fall away, what people think of you, what people say about you. Doesn't even matter because you're in a bubble now. You're in the zone. As Britney Spears, I'm in zone. <laughs> That's, That's right. what it is. So I just wanted to share that with you. Cool. And that one of the lessons from Bad Bitches and Power Pitches is you can do anything. And not on that, oh, that platitude. But no, you have a lot of people around you who are walking wounded and are kicking butt every day. Yeah. That's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. So Precious, where can, I, I would imagine when the audience listens to this episode, they're going to want to connect with you if they haven't connected with you yet. So where, where can the audience find you and how can they get in touch with you? And second part of that question is, what kind of clients are you looking for? Like what kind of places do you like to speak at? Uh, what kind of private clients do you like to take on? Like, yeah, let the audience know if they're a, might be a good fit to work with, work with you. Okay, so I'll do my contact information last. Uh, my ideal clientele would be C-suite executives, uh, whether that and uh, VPs and directors who are, uh, it doesn't matter if they're women or men, but I'd like to work at that level with people who are struggling with how to break out of their own shell and go after what it is they really, really want. So if they have a new product, a service, a book, a, a business or brand, or they're looking to really step it up, but they know their communication skills are right here. Those are the people that I'm looking for. I'm also looking for speaking engagements at Fortune 100 companies. It doesn't matter where in the world they are. I would like to be speaking there more often and being a corporate trainer, which is what I do now, but I'd like to kick it up a notch for real in 2020, my year of yes, year of shock and awe. You have multiple ways of getting in contact with me. My website is www.perfect pitches p-i-t-c-h-e-s by precious.com and my email address is precious at perfect pitches by precious.com on linkedin i am precious williams the only precious williams that's going to pop up with just that no, name that's cool yeah uh you know and uh on facebook facebook.com uh slash perfect pitch p twitter.com perfect pitch P and just because I, I want to be raggedy on Instagram.com, I am perfect pitches P. <laughs> <laughs> I like it just because I want to be raggedy. That's hilarious. Yeah. Well, I will. Um, it's going to be different, right? Yeah. Be a little of something. course. Of course. Well, I will. Um, I will do a few things. I'm also have all those social channels. So as your episode comes out here in a few weeks, I will put a link to all those on the social channels. I will also put those in the show notes for people that want to connect with you and I. I would be shocked if anybody who hears this doesn't want to connect with you if they're not connected with you already. Oh, thank you. So last thing, 
you've given us so much value and wisdom today, but I'm going to ask you to do it one more time. Are you down for it? Yes. All right. So you've got a post-it note. What are the words of wisdom that you'd want the audience to be able to put on a post-it note and say, this comes from precious and it doesn't have to be necessarily your words. It could be words that you've learned from elsewhere. It could be a quote from somebody else words, or it could be your own, but got to fit it on a post-it notes. So it can't be a, can't be a full paragraph or anything like that. Fortune favors the bold dream big go big or go home. I love it. I'm trying to think who said fortune favors the bold. I don't know. know. I always loved it since I was young. Yeah, it's great. It's so true. I think it, it, I feel like it's from, I feel like it's from like the, uh, the, the the 19th century, actually, like one of the industrialists or something like that from back in the industrial revolution. Definitely. Let's figure that out. Well, precious, thank you so much for being on today. It was an absolute pleasure to spend the time with you. So much fun. Thanks for being, thanks for the vulnerability. Thanks for sharing your journey with us. And, uh, I'm sure we'll be seeing each other very soon.